This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik. It's Friday afternoon. It's our Doctor in the House segment with my co-host, Dr. George Lee, consultant urologist. How are you, George? I'm really good. I'm looking forward to today's program. You know, the aftermath of all the festivities and then now we have to count the damages, right? <laughs> and of course, one of the damages, apart from fatty food, fried food, it's all that salty food that we've been consuming and what sort of impact it has on us. I really am really looking forward to find out how that is going to change, you know, and what what sort of impact it will have on my health. Impact, right? I want to ask you first, George. Sure. Do you like your food salty? Oh, very salty indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I think like most Malaysian, it's flavourful. And of course, you know, whenever food is not salty and it's difficult to be quite flavourful. So I think... Most Malaysian foods can be salty and we don't think too much about it. And sadly, I think there's a perfect opportunity for us to look into that a little bit uh, deeper. Yes. Um, first of all, to all of you listening, tell us, you know, how do you typically consume your food, uh, especially when it comes to um, adding salt mm-hmm. or condiments uh, that yeah. may actually be quite high in sodium. And you will find out as you continue to listen to us this hour, um, maybe some of your favourite foods, uh, sauces and condiments <laughs> yes. are actually higher in salt salted than you realise. Salted fish, realize. salted eggs, salted vegetables I mean, and yeah, all that thing. Those have the word salted in the name, right? There yeah. may be some other foods that... In disguise. Yes. <laughs> That's right. So you can call us at 0377 You can also WhatsApp us a text message or a voice note at 018-789-8899 or tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us for the conversation today about salt intake and how, well, its impact, uh, like you said, George, and how we can start to cut down on it a little bit more. Prof. Datin, Dr. Chia Yokchin from the Malaysian Society for World Action on Salt, Sugar and Health. My wash for short. I love that. <laughs> My wash. That's right. <laughs> Prof. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And first of all, tell us a bit more about my wash. We want to know what exactly does the society do? Yeah. Okay, I think what is very important is that the WHO in 2013, in recognition of the non-communicable disease, and that will be cardiovascular disease, heart attack, strokes, uh, is the leading cause in the world. Mm. And so the, 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 they came up with nine global targets, and one of them was to reduce salt by 30% in the year 2025. We're not mm-hmm. far away and we have no way are we near achieving that target. But the, be that as it may, obviously we have to make some effort. And part of the reason why I started my wash was because uh, we had the new Ministry of Health had the Newton Omar uh, uh, grant, mm-hmm. uh, which is with the UK. And they did the, the, the interest was in looking at salt and this was done with the UK wash. That's how we got my wash. Uh-huh. Part of the reason because we are linked together. And Subsequent to that, obviously, they documented the amount of salt and it's no surprise that the salt intake in Malaysia is 8 grams per day, mm-hmm. which is far more than the 5 grams per day that's recommended by WHO. Oh, nearly doubled. Uh, nearly doubled. And, you know, so so because of that, uh, I then decided we have to do a little bit more, mm-hmm. uh, particularly because we know most of the salt work done by Ministry of Health, by nutritionists and dietitians. I thought the doctors should get into the act. Public health doctors, nurses, dietitians should also help to do the work. We can't depend on the Ministry of Health alone. Mm-hmm. Because we know in any strategies to reduce salt, it has to be multi 
components. It cannot be one person doing it. Mm. And so we are helping to do the educational part. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Eight grams a day of salt that yes. Malaysians are consuming. Yes. Um, for some of us who kind of can't visualise how much that is, perhaps in teaspoons? Yes. What, that? Uh, the recommended of five grams per day would be equivalent to a small teaspoon of salt. And if you are trying to picture... How much is that? I remember during Chinese New Year because my maid was on leave, mm-hmm. I had to scald some vegetables. I found I put one whole teaspoon into it and it was not even salty enough. So that's how much salt we will use. And that salt we can see, that, as you rightly alluded to, there's a lot of food that don't taste salty. Mm-hmm. You don't know it's salty, but it's all hidden in there. And these would include things like cereals, mm-hmm. bread, right. pastries. All these have salt in them. And of course, the salt is not so much salt as in sodium chloride, the table mm-hmm. salt we know, but in the form of sodium because we know bread is sodium bicarbonate mm-hmm. plus the sodium that, you know, they, they put some salt into it. Right. So this is where we need to do some education mm-hmm. on um, where the salt comes from in our food. Most times it's hidden, not the obvious salt that we add to our food. Mm-hmm. Why is WHO putting so much emphasis on it? Is it really that bad to eat some salty food all the time? <laughs> so that's a very good question. I think... Obviously, we need to eat some salt, uh, especially in dry weather, you're dehydrated, you sweat a lot, you lose some salt. But the amount that we need to eat doesn't have to be 8 grams or even 12 to 15 grams in some countries in the world. Mm. For instance, Korea, Japan. In fact, in Japan, back in the 1960s, they were the largest population to have hemorrhagic strokes, strokes that bleed, that is due to a bleed in the brain. Mm. And then they traced back to see what was the cause and found that the community was consuming 27 grams of salt oh a day. Goodness. That is, I cannot quite imagine how much that is. And then, of course, they put in some efforts to reduce it. They managed to reduce it, but it's nowhere near 5 grams. But immediately, they saw the hemorrhagic strokes came down. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the relationships that uh, one knows about salt and health. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, the, the importance of uh, salt is very well studied, although there are some detractors who say, well, you know, uh, you can't do without salt. If you eat too little, you have problems. Of course, anything that's too little will be a problem. Even your blood pressure, if it's too low, you'll have problems. Mm-hmm. But we're not suggesting that you eat so little salt or no salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, in actual fact, of interest also, a population called the Yana Momo Indians who are unacculturated uh, in Brazil and northern uh, Venezuela, they have no salt in their food, no added salt because they are not. They haven't been exposed to culture where salt is used. And their salt intake is less than 0.05 grams a day, mm-hmm. which also showed that the blood pressures, nobody had high blood pressures. The blood pressures were all very low. So that's the way we should be going. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if they're taking so little, they manage to survive with low blood pressures. I don't think it's a problem. But of course, we are sensible people. We're not going to say you eat no salt, but just lower your salt intake. Mm. But uh, you mentioned blood pressure, and that's probably something that Malaysians have heard enough about. Yes. Though whether we do something about it or not is debatable. What, what is exactly the link between blood pressure or high blood pressure and, and salt yeah. intake? Yeah, that again is quite uh, uh, interesting because we did a survey on 5,000 odd people when we mm-hmm. were doing the blood pressure screening. And we asked questions like, do you know what salt causes if you take a lot? They could tell us it has serious health problem, uh, but nearly 90% say it's due to it can cause hypertension. But they didn't know the relationship of salt to heart failure, to kidney disease and so on and so forth. So they know broadly that it's high blood pressure, and, which is good. I mean, that's the information we want them to know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, 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 the relationship, of course, is when you eat a lot of salt, you actually draw a lot of fluid 
water into your bloodstream. And so what it means is instead of the usual five litres that go around our body, you may have seven litres. And obviously, with this huge volume, your heart has to accommodate it, to pump out more, your kidneys have to work harder. That puts a strain on the heart. Your blood pressure goes up, and that's why you get high blood pressure mm-hmm. with, the, with the excessive salt intake. Mm-hmm. Apart from sodium chloride, what else is harmful in the salty, in air quotes, kind of like food? Yeah, I think, again, uh, when we talk about salt, it's not just so- salt, it's sodium chloride. It's just not sodium chloride we're talking about. It's the salt uh, uh, is the sodium is the problem. So other foods that are hidden or used uh, for pres- preservation, for flavour, like sodium citrate, sodium nitrate, mm-hmm. is all in the food as well. So what we measure is the sodium content. And uh, so again, it is hidden in lots of food, but the biggest contributor is actually sodium chloride. Sodium Most chloride. of it comes out with our, which is the normal salt that we the see table on the table, the table yeah. salt. Is there such a good thing as good salt and bad salt? Because you go to the supermarket yes. and yeah. then you have like yeah. sea salts Correct. and yes. all Rock sorts salt. of yeah. Yes. Rock salt yeah, that's right. Salt yes. and is it all marketing ploy? I don't think it is better in any way in the sense that if it's salt and it's sodium chloride, and it's obviously it's a sodium chloride salt, uh, it will contain the same amount of sodium. Whether the same weight contains it is is another thing, but so, it is still sodium. Mm, so basically, what we should be doing is looking at the in, uh, sodium, the ingredients. Yes, the ingredients, the nutritional the, yes. uh, label, right? Yes. So, what are some names or, or, or words we should be looking out? Okay, for? I think most labels, the mandatory labeling is as a sodium. Very rarely is it re- put as salt as in sodium chloride. So, And I said the, the important component is the sodium, one. And two, most of the sodium we consume is sodium chloride, table salt. Mm-hmm. So what you need to do is just look at the sodium and look at the value. Uh, in our country, we're not quite there yet to label all the foods. It's coming. It's being legislated. They have already been, the food men have been told that they have to show it and they've given a year, this year, this year to, to get it into tune and next year it will be on food labels, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And that may help us to try and identify a food that may not taste salty but has a lot of sodium. Of course, obviously, if it tastes salty, you know you, you, you should avoid mm-hmm. a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the value, of course, uh, uh, what they call DV, daily value, if you look at how per portion or per serving size, you look at the, the amount. If it's less than 5%, it's considered to be low salt, more than 30 high salt. So that's one way to look at it. And the other way to look at the exact amount where they say 230 milligrams of salt per portion, or sodium per portion of food. Mm-hmm. So that's one way to look at it. And mm. you total up all your food and you can have an idea of whether you're reaching the 5 grams or not. A day, right? Mm. Okay. So uh, we have a question from a listener, which we will not answer yet as we need to go for a break. But just to give a preview, our listener is asking, is it true that eating too much salty food will make your hair fall? <laughs> we'll get to the answer after the break, but keep those questions coming in. You can send it through WhatsApp, either a, a message or a voice note, 018-789-8899. You can also call us directly at 0377. 32900 or tweet us at BFM Radio. On the show with me and Dr. George Lee today is Professor Datin Dr. Chia Yokchin from the Malaysian Society for World Action on Salt, Sugar and Health. And we're focusing on salt today. So stay tuned to Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik, and my co-host for the Doctor in the House segment, Dr. George Lee. Today, we are talking about salt. 
we like it salty, don't we, John? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but we but shouldn't. There's, there's a price to pay. <laughs> there's yeah. a price to pay. Sometimes that price may be too hefty, right, in terms of our health. Um, joining us in the studio today, Professor Datin Dr. Chia Yokchin from the Malaysian Society for World Action on Salt, Sugar and Health, or MyWash, here to tell us why too much salt is bad for us. We're definitely eating too much salt. The WHO recommendation for daily salt intake is less than 5 grams per day per person. Um, Malaysians take an average of 8 grams per day, if not more, um, because a lot of our um, food, common food products um, contain uh, salt or sodium in uh, you know forms that we may not be aware of. So we have the question that we were going to get to. Is it true, Prof, that eating too much salty food will make your hair fall? As children, we used to hear that from our parents and grandparents. I was just going to say, this is what my parents told me when I was growing <laughs> up, when I dipped food in soya sauce. They say, if you eat too much of it, your hair will all fall out. Right. Uh, I don't think there is any scientific evidence for that. And if we think about how hair, why hair falls out in terms of the scientific pathological process, I don't think there's any explanation to it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times it's association. Association doesn't mean it's a cause. Maybe George wants to say something. Well, for uh, for guys, <laughs> it's definitely there's not association. Yeah. Yeah, when you have high testosterone, you get male pattern baldness and then your hair just starts falling off. Yeah, exactly. so, so that will be one thing. But actually, it's good deterrent to tell people that if you eat too much salt, your hair will fall off so we'll keep that as unknown but you know it's not no robust scientific uh, explanation but you don't want it to know it too late right <laughs> because your hair will all fall off right okay. we have two listeners asking about msg um is it salt or does it contain sodium yeah uh, MSG is monosodium glutamate. So obviously it has got uh, salt, the sodium part, maybe not as sodium chloride. And so again, this of course may be, potentially be a problem. Uh, so if you have to use it, obviously use less of it. And I think one of the contributors to high salt intake in Japan, which people have looked at, was the miso, mm-hmm. miso soup and the pickles. So miso soup probably has monosodium glutamate as well. Mm-hmm. Having said that, Japan has started to, to sort of educate and produce food that's low in salt. I was mm-hmm. in, in uh, Kyoto for an international conference on hypertension a few months ago, and I saw all these um, instant noodles. Uh, soya sauce, kikoman sauce, and all these things with 30 to 50% less salt, you know, uh-huh. less sodium in them, which mm-hmm. is very good. So I said, are you sending them all to Malaysia? They said, not yet. They haven't exported <laughs> it yet. <laughs> Whether Malaysians will buy them or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think they will because I think one of the strategies that Korea used, Korea, of course, brought us K-drama, K-pop, and they got brought us the K-fridge which is actually the kimchi fridge, which was introduced by some of the, 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 the manufacturers quite a while ago. And that basically was to try and preserve the kimchi. Kimchi uses a lot of salt. Mm-hmm. So that if the idea of preservation is you can have strong, longer shelf life mm-hmm. and you need salt for long mm-hmm. shelf life. So by doing that, they were able to reduce the salt in the kimchi and it tastes just as good. So one mm-hmm. of the things may have been that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, it's very interesting that you're pointing to other countries and uh, what is traditionally accepted uh, by the population because is high consumption and uh, tendency to enjoy um, salty foods. Um, obviously, it's cultural uh, to, to a certain extent. And you know, would it pass down from generation to generation, so to speak? In terms of? 
eating the, high salt and yes uh, the the tendency for us to gravitate towards yes. foods that taste like that and can can it even be you know can we change it yeah i think it's uh, we all know that if the food is salty it's more flavorful mm-hmm. and besides you know being a preservative uh, but of course the, the thing, the beauty about humans is the minute we start lowering the salt content, within 30 days, we would get adapted to it. Mm. So I'm not saying that you go from 8 grams to no salt or very low. Just do it maybe 10% every year. Mm-hmm. I think you will reach it quite easily mm-hmm. uh, to reach that, you know, a yeah. third, 5 grams. So then you get used to it rather than, you know, very quickly you go from very high to almost no salt. That would be probably not something that most people would find palatable. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, uh, if you find it not tasty, you can always use other things to flavour your food. For example, spices, mm-hmm. pepper, herbs. All these things can be used to flavour food. To numb your tongues. <laughs> <laughs> Some mala. That's right. Okay. Um, Prof, the other thing which, uh, following on to um, Xiaoyi's question, I mean... Obviously, you highlighted in Venezuela, then when you're not exposed to salt culture. However, we have, let's say, coastal towns in East Coast Malaysia where salted fish is traditionally being done. Is there any study to show that this particular group of populations are more prone to strokes and uh, health problems? Um, I think in Malaysia, there is there is a stroke registry. I think you've brought up a very important point that they could look at it in terms of the race. Mm-hmm. What we also know is that, again, based on our survey, that there is some difference in the knowledge and the practice and the belief of salt intake between the races, mm-hmm. where the knowledge may be a bit higher in the Chinese, a little bit lower in the blood pressures and so on. So that itself may also be one of the reasons why you mm-hmm. see uh, differences between the races and the... Di- in terms of blood pressure, there is actually no big difference between the mm-hmm. races, how many people have high mm-hmm. blood pressure. Yeah. But it's how we eat our food yeah. and all that, there's yeah. slight difference. As you know, I'm from East Coast and then the mm. salted fish mm. is like, you know, mm. our staple diet there. I have this belief that when I eat very salty food, I compensate it with more um, water. Is that a, yes. even a good way? Is that any scientific basis behind that? And linked to that, can I add on a question from Nini who's asking, you know, if she eats at certain restaurants, she feels like her mouth is very dry. Is that because of sodium? So, yeah, probably. Because our body tries to balance this insult to your body by this high excessive salt. So the only way to reduce it to to drink more so that you can get rid of the salt. That's what the body does. Because our body is so finely tuned to the amount of salt we have. But of course, while it's doing that, it's causing damage because of the increased volume. Oh, so provide, you know, if you're taking it for a long time. So, George, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. So, so <laughs> even you think that there are certain ways that you should compensate or reduce that damage, actually, it is already doing the damage when you yes. consume so much salt. Yes. You know, talking about whether it, you dilute it or drink more water makes the salt less. And this also brings me to the point about a patient of mine who I said, don't take so much sugar because you have diabetes. She said, but I add water to make it, you know, not so sweet. I said, do you drink the whole lot? She says, yes. I said, there's the same amount of sugar. And she looked at me with three brown eyes and a mouth. Oh, she said to me. So same principle about the salt. People think I dilute it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you finish the whole lot, although you make it, it's still the same amount of salt you're consuming. True, so, true. Yeah. So that's my theory out of the window. Yes, George. <laughs> I, I don't want to knock your salted fish. <laughs> that's but, right, you know. yes. Uh, Jessica is asking, what about seasoning like oyster sauce, Prof? Oyster sauce also contains a lot of salt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a- so actually, again, on that note, mm-hmm. 
some more examples of these kinds of very common ingredients that we use in our local foods that are, you know, contain... Soy sauce, yeah. oyster Soya sauce. Soy sauce, sauce, for sure. Oyster, sauce. Know. oyster yeah. sauce. Any other examples? Uh, chili sauce, tomato sauce, they all have sodium in it. So mm. try not to use so much of that. Mm-hmm. And of course, things like our local blood chan and all that, which is also very salty. I'm not mm-hmm. saying don't eat it, eat less, and then mm-hmm. you will reduce your salt. Mm-hmm. And of course, very important, because we know we cannot depend on the individual alone, because if I want to choose a low-salt food to buy, there isn't any. Mm-hmm. So, And what has been found uh, by research is that the very cost-effective way of lowering salt is reformulation. That means to say the food, the salt contents in food should be changed to lower salt. That works very well. Mm-hmm. And then putting this uh, low-salt you know, education, get the vendors in the school canteens, in restaurants to lower their salt works very well. Mm-hmm. Individually, yes, it works, but not as good as all that because if I'm willing to do it, I go to restaurants, it's still salty and, and Malaysians 70% eat out all the time. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help. Uh, in fact, also another interesting thing that we did last year was one of my doctors did a educational thing in a, in a resort mm-hmm. And the chef of the hotel came and listened to it. And then he says, okay, I will reduce less salt, but I won't dare to do it in my restaurant because in case I lose customers, I'll start with my family. So mm-hmm. this year, we're going to go back and ask him, have you started it in your restaurant? Right. So hopefully it can be, be by the education, it can be transferred mm-hmm. into implementation by the individuals, the vendors. And, mm-hmm. and it has to start like somewhere. That. Right? That's right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Prof, you highlighted that in certain products in you know, Kyoto and also in uh, Korea that they are reducing the amount of salt by 30%, 40%. Is there a um, substitute? I mean, we hear about substitute for sugar. Is there a substitute for sodium that makes it taste equally good, but yet not so harmful? Yeah. Uh, what, in fact, the, a study has just been published, which they used, did in China, where they, what they call salt substitution, to me, it's not really salt substitution. What they did was, a group of people used the regular salt. The other group were given salt with some potassium in it. Mm. 25% potassium. But I say why it works is not maybe the potassium alone because you're reducing the amount of sodium. Mm-hmm. But whatever it is, that is what the study shows. And of course, again, there are studies that show that if you, it may not be as simple as eating high salt sodium alone, but it has to be balanced with the amount of potassium, mm-hmm. which comes in your fruits, your fresh vegetables. Mm-hmm. So if your ratio, sodium to potassium ratio, is, is, is not high, that means you're eating a lot of potassium, your blood pressure doesn't go up as much as mm-hmm. someone who eats the same amount of sodium, but doesn't eat potassium. So that's also important to balance. That's mm-hmm. why people are looking at potassium substitution for food. But what it will will happen is that the so the potassium salt will be more expensive, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's a little bit of a bitter taste mm-hmm. to it. So that again has to be to be looked but at. But is potassium people, harmful? Uh, too much of it will, that, and that's mm-hmm. the the problem because if you have kidney disease, you cannot take so much of potassium and so on and so forth. So in a way, people, well, you know, uh, others who who see this publication, issue some caution about using it. Mm. Wide scale without proper uh, uh, recommendations from perhaps doctors if they have a, if they have that illness that they shouldn't be taking so mm. much potassium. Mm. So for listeners out there, don't just go add potassium in your mm. food so that you can reduce on your sodium. Yes, um, we have a question here. What is iodized sodium? Is this good salt? Yeah, I think iodized sodium is meant more for people who lack iodine. 
For instance, people who live in the mountains, we are not near the sea where they do not get uh, iodine. And that then what happens is they get uh, uh, thyroid disease and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So that's all it, it means. So just as we fortify. Uh, add, uh, fortify with our breads with folic acid and so on and so forth. All right. Um, an interesting question here. Uh, what's the science behind salt that makes things so flavorful, and can we trick our brain using other healthier substitutes? I think you've alluded to that a little bit, but um, interesting. Why? And and I think this is something everybody says when you tell them to cut down on the salt, but that's what makes it tasty. <laughs> yeah. uh, certainly, it does make it tasty, but you don't need to use so much of it. Uh, if we look back at the history, why salt was used, it wasn't for so much for taste, but for preserving food. You know, mm-hmm. there were no fridges in those days. So how do you preserve for the winter months your vegetables, your fish, and your meat, and so on and so forth, where the fishermen can't go out to fish in the winter, in winter storms, and so on. So that was how it was uh, used. Uh, but of course, with the advent of fridges, we don't need to preserve so much food uh, in the sense that fridge can can improve their shelf life. That's one. Of course, it's also used for for preventing bacteria from growing. Uh, again, there's been studied that with lowering the salt and trying to keep the food safe still works very well because there are other ways of, of, of uh, uh, making sure the bacteria don't grow like high heat, mm-hmm. ultra heat, all these things, tetra pack. There are lots of things that's, that can be done. And this is where some of the food industry, uh, even our local research people are looking at how they can teach you know, uh, people who, who, who manu- food manufacturers how to do uh, extend the self-life without using so much salt to preserve the food. Mm. All right. We've got more questions uh, coming in, which we'll get to again after the break, but you can still send them through on WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. You can also call us, 0377332900, with your questions about salt. We are speaking to Prof. Datin Dr. Chia Yokchin from the Malaysian Society for World Action on Salt, Sugar and Health, or My Wash. Stay tuned to Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Xiaoik, and my co-host, Dr. George Lee. Mm-hmm. We're speaking today to Professor Datin Dr. Chia Yokchin from the Malaysian Society for World Action on Salt, Sugar and Health. We're talking about our salt consumption. It's um, higher than it should be. What are the problems that cause us and what we can do to start reducing it, you know, as individuals in the kinds of foods that we prepare and buy outside, but also looking sort of at a wider population, food manufacturers, mm-hmm. restaurants, um, vendors as well, what um, all of us can do collectively to sort of change our tastes. Mm-hmm. Taste buds as well, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit, right? We've got so many questions, so let's jump to them. But um, meanwhile, the number, if you'd like to still send your questions in, 018-789-8899 or call us at 03 um, You know, Prof, this one, just very briefly, if you could, because George mentioned it already, mm-hmm. something like normal salt versus Himalaya yeah. salt. Yeah, so when you go shopping, do you just buy the bog standard salt or is there such a thing? a better salt? Um, Again, if we are looking at, uh, of course, the rock salt may have slightly different nutrients, you know, either, Mm. you know, magnesium or whatever, zinc, whatever that's found, minerals Mm. that may have uh, some benefits. But if we are looking at salt and high blood pressure, uh, sodium and high blood pressure and the the problems it causes, then it's a sodium component. Mm -hmm. So, 
again, if you buy those salt, they will have to declare it as how many grams of sodium in per weight. Yes. So you can do the comparison and make your choice in that yeah. way. You know what I mean? Mm. So as long as you you sort of aim to eat less than five, it doesn't matter which one you buy. Mm. Mm. All right. Okay. We've got two questions related to... Um, I'm going to call it ikan bilis, ikan bilis la, because yeah. we're Malaysian. Yeah, that's right. right. No anchovies. <laughs> okay. uh, it, it, it's fried ikan bilis high in salt. Um, is it bad um, because it's preserved with salt? Yeah. Again, it's one is of course the amount of salt in the ikan bilis. The mm-hmm. next is the amount you eat because portion size it matters. If you eat a little bit, maybe mm-hmm. not a big problem. If you cut, you know, you reduce in other areas, uh, but certainly we are also telling food manufacturers to put less mm-hmm. uh, salt into the ikambalis. Some of the uh, soya sauce companies have already reduced their sodium. Mm-hmm. Usually they always tell you, oh no, we don't want to do it because we will lose sales, people don't accept it. That is not true because mm-hmm. in the UK, they have very successfully reduced it. And I remember the story that our collaborator, Professor Graham McGregor, who is a huge proponent of this, he's mm-hmm. done it for last 25 years. Yes. He says the Heinz sauce, which we don't use much, mm-hmm. uh, when he approached the company, they said, oh no, this is a, a family secret recipe. We can't change it. But I think he badgered them. I have to use the word badgered. He's very good at it. Mm-hmm. I think. And now it's down to 50% less than what it is. So that's remarkable. And the sales are still there. Mm-hmm. So really, you yeah. don't have to worry. So this is, a, in a way, a message to, to food manufacturers. Mm-hmm. You don't worry. You just do it. It will sell yeah. still. <laughs> yeah. Prof Chia, do you think there will be one day that the machi in the warong will kind of sell two sets of nasi lemak? One set is like, you know, salt, uh, salt free or, you know, reduce salt and the other one is regular. Do you think we'll reach that one day? Uh, I think it's possible because in Singapore, as you know, the hawkers, they'll display a thing that says we sell low salt food, ah. but another one doesn't. So it can be. So it's back so to consumer's you, choice. Absolutely. And what has happened also in UK where... They did voluntary lowering of salt in their mm-hmm. potato crisp. We mm-hmm. call it chips, but it's crisp. And they found that actually it's sold just as well. So they then started to reduce salt in many of their foods. So if you go to England, most of them will have low salt already. Yeah. So people do accept that. That, yeah, that might be a message for the matchy out that might increase the price because it's a healthier option. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that you may have more sales than your salty salty version. I, I look forward to that day, right? That's when right. Malaysia can get there. Uh, here's another question. Is it true that one should never consume refined salt but instead have organic sea salt? Because, this listener says, refined salt contains sodium chloride but not the other vital minerals. One role of sodium in the body is to create HCL to help digest protein, break down minerals and kill pathogens. Prof Chia, any thoughts? Yeah. Again, I already mentioned just now, it's not so much the nutrients that's different, it is the amount of sodium in per weight. The comparison has been done by weight. You know what I mean? So all you do is look again at the amount of sodium in the, say, rock salt or whatever salt you want to look at versus the sodium chloride salt. Mm. And then make a choice based on that. Mm. Granted, the, the, the naturally occurring salt may have other nutrients. Uh, what it does, we don't really know. But how uh, much would you get in order to have any beneficial effects anyway? These for other minerals. Those other minerals, I don't think you need much of those. It's naturally occurring in other foods as well that you don't have to have it in the salt. Mm-hmm. Like potassium, for instance, which is very useful and important. Mm-hmm. Uh, it naturally occurring in a lot of foods. Watermelon has a lot. 
bananas have a lot and many other vegetables mm-hmm. have a lot of it. What about other trace minerals like, you know, magnesiums and that sort of trace material and calcium? I think, again, most foods have it because I look at some of our food labels and they do say some zinc, some magnesium as well. But not all foods, of course, they vary according to the uh, uh, type of food. But also imagine if you're trying to get it from salt, how much salt would you then have to consume Mm -hmm. in order to get enough of the minerals? It doesn't doesn't play out. I think the most sensible thing is to eat other sources of those nutrients. Why eat salt for those nutrients when you know the sodium causes problems? Eat Mm. it in your fresh vegetables. There is lots of nutrients in there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Eat it from your fruits where you have those nutrients as well. Prof, you started off this conversation saying that you felt that doctors need to join in, right, join forces with the nutritionists uh, and with the other uh, public health, uh, you know, sort of uh, authorities in terms of educating people about salt. Now, in terms of, you know, that one-on-one interaction with patients, especially those who perhaps are at high risk or uh, have hypertension, what kinds of attitudes have you observed when it comes to talking to them about reducing salt intake? Yeah, I think it's very important that doctors deal with a small number of the population. I think Mm. only 10% of the population actually go to see a doctor for whatever reason. The rest are all in the community. So, while the doctors do their part, mm-hmm. and usually it's patients who already have a stroke, who have high blood pressure, mm-hmm. obviously the salt education, not only for salt, it's for cholesterol, mm-hmm. for sugar, and all these things have to be done by the doctor to emphasize the importance of reducing all these risk factors for cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, the doctors have to do it. But in order to show an uh, effective uh, way of reducing our death rates from cardiovascular is to target the population prevention. Because if you have a huge group of people, they don't have to reduce much. One gram only mm-hmm. results in uh, a huge reduction in cardiovascular disease. And in fact, a paper has been done, published in New England Journal of Medicine, that says that if you reduce just one gram, mm-hmm. it is cheaper than all the antihypertensive drugs you give to uh-huh. patients. So <laughs> therefore, it is reducing salt is the cheapest, most cost-effective, very safe. There's no side effect. You don't have to take any yeah, medicine. But you know what's the problem with that? Malaysians get a lot of their hypertension drugs for free from government <laughs> hospitals. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. another big topic to discuss. Yes, right? yes, yeah. yes. Shari, there's True. one thing you don't know. It's like, you know, Prof Chia actually is uh, my mentor, a good friend from, you know, University of Malaya. I really quite like to know how she uh, tackled this as a doctor, how to advise patients. Because one of the things you may not know is that salt, too much salt intake actually can cause stone formations in kidneys as well. So I come across patients who have recurrent stone formation and then they say to me, oh yeah, but you know, I'm a working guy who eats out all the time. How do I monitor that? You know, it's just too bad. I just have to deal with it. You know, obviously as a doctor, I need to take active role in helping them to reduce the risk of making stones and worst case scenario, kidney damage. How do you do that in your practice? Yeah, the patients I see may not have as many stones as the patients they see, right, yeah. but they all have high blood pressure. Yeah. And I always give them some education. And when I tell them salt, I don't just say, don't put you salt. I tell them, look at what you eat, your bread, 
the, in fact, the study that was done by the Malaysian Community Survey mm-hmm. uh, with the grant was they looked at where the salt came from for people who consume mm-hmm. uh, on a food diary. Bread was one of them. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit surprised because we are Malaysians, we don't eat that much bread. Mm-hmm. But obviously, if you eat many slices, it does mm-hmm. add up. Uh, soya sauce, obviously, and fried vegetables. So these is where the food that they eat contain a lot of salt. Mm-hmm. So what I do for patients is I quickly identify what they eat. They mm-hmm. tell me, you know, and also I lots of funny stories because when I ask a diabetic patient, what do you eat for breakfast? I eat uh, curry puff. I say, how many do you eat? Three. I ask how big is the one? He shows me the size. I say, how many do you eat? Three. I say, why do you eat three? I buy for one dollar, I get three, so I eat oh, them right. all. Okay. <laughs> Typical Malaysian stories, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you really yeah. need to... You really have to go through it. That's right. You know, another one, because why, why it's called my wash is sugar is also important for mm-hmm. us to tackle. So again, I have diabetic patient. I said, you know, your control is not good. Tell me what you eat. And he went through the diet. Said, okay, tell me what you eat for breakfast. He names me all the things. Tell me what you eat for lunch and dinner. Nothing in between. Mm-hmm. And I scratched my head. He's eating so little sugar. Why on earth is he having problems? Dad, Dad, tell me what you drink. Mm-hmm. I drink Milo. Tell me how many cups you drink. Eight cups a day. Mm-hmm. That's a huge amount of sugar. Yeah. Say, stop, 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 stop. You've got to change the way you eat food. Sure. So that's what I do in terms of so trying listening to advise, and then trying to find advise out. But them. if patients kind of like give up and actually come up with excuses that they eat out all the time, they don't have a choice, we don't really have this kind of like take your own lunch kind of culture. How do you handle that? Uh, it's difficult. But of course, usually I find most of the time when I advise things, sometimes it takes me a year before I can convert them. Mm-hmm. So I'm almost like nagging them. And finally, finally, they'll do something. Another patient I had was also, I eat out, I don't have time to diet, I don't have time for exercise and all that not. He was way overweight, his diabetes and his blood pressure, his cholesterol, all haywire. Mm. And then somehow, somehow, he gave up the job working and he lost half his weight. Everything went perfect. Mm. So that's all we need to do, really. Just change your lifestyle. Change your job. I would like you to address this perception, uh, Prof. We had, again, spoken about it earlier, but I think it's one of those misconceptions that people have. Our listener here says, I thought that our body will naturally discharge all the excess salt within the next hour if we drink enough water. Mm-hmm. It's true, but then your volume of blood is there uh, and, and it's circulating in your body. But it's just not the volume of blood. What happens, we, you know, studies have also looked at it damages your blood vessels, the endothelium, the lining of your blood vessels. So when it damages it, it tends to get inflammation, it tends to clog, it tends to attract the platelets to form. That causes clot- clotting clogging your blood vessels, narrowing, and therefore you get strokes and so on and so mm. forth. So it's just not a simple uh, uh, thing about just reducing and passing out all the sodium. Yes, mm-hmm. And I think that answers part of this other question, which uh, this other listener is asking, what are other consequences of taking too much salt besides increase in blood pressure? But also, is it safe for those who have low blood pressure to take more salt? I don't think it's necessary because... I'm just using myself as an example. When I was young, my blood pressure was only 90 millimetres of mercury, the upper level. Everyone will say it's too low and you get giddy. I had nothing. Mm -hmm. So all the the blood pressure uh, uh, measurement, it all depends on your size and all that. If your body size is very small, your blood pressure will be lower, females and all that not. 
So I don't think you need to take salt to bring it up unless you have symptoms. It, unless it's due to a disease, a salt-losing disease, mm-hmm. which we know is an inherited disease, then obviously something needs to be done. Mm-hmm. But in a normal individual who do not have any of these diseases, it doesn't need to be supplemented with salt. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, a listener says, uh, loving the suggestion for the nasi lemak makcik to have a low-salt version. <laughs> Maybe call it heart-healthy instead of salt-free. And charge a bit more. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. no. Um, Does exercising help to flush out the sodium? Great question. Yeah. Of course, when you exercise, you sweat a lot, you do lose sodium in your your sweat. Because, you know, if if anyone of you tasted your sweat, it tastes salty. Mm-hmm. It, it does get out there. And so, of course, in countries that have got very hot weather where they sweat a lot or people who work out, I think even if they ate the amount of salt may not do them much harm, but again, there's no necessity to do it because, as I said, your body is very fine balanced that even if you sweat, it's not a problem unless, of course, you faint and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a couple of questions uh, and, and we did talk mm. about monosodium uh, MSG, yeah. monosodium glutamate a little bit. Can we substitute salt with MSG? Yeah, all right. Okay. No, I think if... Of then course, you start you, losing your hair. <laughs> really lose your hair. Is that, true? Is that true as well? We don't know. I mean, I remember again that when it first started, everyone said it make you lose your hair, but I don't think so either. Yeah. All right, okay. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that hair so, losing, uh, yeah. you know, Should you white tail. Should you substitute? I, th- I think what is important is the amount you use. Obviously, if you use very little so- uh, monosodium chlorotomate versus one teaspoon, on balance, the, the salt may be more than that. But mm-hmm. if you use often and a lot of MSG without reducing your salt, then obviously you are going to have more sodium mm-hmm. taken into your body. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. thing, the thing that is really, really coming through is we're not talking about just using salt uh, in isolation. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, salt it, itself, whether it's rock salt, Himalayan salt, at the end of the day, you're looking at the sodium. Aren't yes. You? That's right. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. When we talk about high blood pressure, is it normal for an elderly person to have BP of 170 over 100? Yeah. Uh, Prochia is, you know, is, her eyes are all kind of like, a, you know, shocked uh, to hear that. Yeah. Uh, that is definitely abnormal. You know, we have... Not been, normal. Right? Not normal. We have been preaching the, 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 the slogan of know your numbers. That means know what is normal blood pressure. Uh, it should be less than 140, the upper level, by 90. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are older, it goes up a bit. But at 170, it is not a good blood pressure. And again, there are lots of scientific, well-designed clinical trials that look at people who are older with blood pressure. When you treat, they do very, very well. Mm-hmm. You reduce a stroke drastically. And I think that's important. So I'm one of those who will say that you know, if you try lifestyle, reduce your salt, that's important because older people are much more salt sensitive. If they take a little bit, their blood pressure goes up a lot. So they are the people who should reduce a lot more salt. Mm, good point. People who are fat, obese also are more salt sensitive. And also uh, we know that Asians in general are much more salt sensitive in the sense that if you take, say, one teaspoon of salt, uh, Asian, versus a Masale who takes one, the blood pressure goes up more in the Asian than in the mm. Masale. So that's what we mean by more salt sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, it's important to reduce our salt even more than the Westerners. So less than that five gram per day recommendation, do you think? Well, the WHO says less than five gram. In fact, I think people are trying to push the target even lower. But I think that we can wait a little bit. There's no real rush because we're so far away from achieving five grams. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so for any elderly person, for instance, 
our listener or who's saying 170 over 100, what should they do? Okay, the first thing to do is we will look at many other things. Do they have got uh, heart attacks? Do they have a family history? Uh, do they have diabetes? Have they had a heart attack before? All these things we factor in. Uh, and then make a decision on their risk. But whatever it is, if it's just that alone, I would suggest doing lifestyle changes. So they're very fat, they drink alcohol, they eat mm-hmm. you know, uh, indiscriminately. Try all those things first for three to six months. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't go down, then I think medicine should be started. Mm-hmm. Very important also, we also know this thing, this situation of when they come to the clinic, it's very high. When they go home, they measure it, it's low. That is what we call white coat hypertension. And that happens a lot the older. So before I even <laughs> start so them... They're so frightened of seeing you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Before I start them, I'll tell them, here's the, go and measure your blood pressure at home, bring it in one week's time and show me. Yes. And then I know whether it's truly their hypertension. If they are, medicines will be indicated. Yeah. If you think white coat is scary, wait till you meet, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Right? <laughs> Another question. Why does my t-shirt have white stains after I sweat a lot? Is it salt? Yeah. Related to what Would you said about... Cause crystallizes on I the shirt? I never thought about that. Actually, I don't know the answer. It's probably the- mean you eat way too much salt that you crystallize on your shirt. Let's <laughs> uh, not frighten our listeners <laughs> too much. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Is it true that the sodium in sodium chloride Chloride and MS. It, it is the sodium that is harmful, not the chloride or the glutamate. Yes, correct. It's the sodium. Yeah. That's right. why we, we, we say the word sodium rather than salt. But of course, yeah. as I said, most of the sodium we consume comes from sodium chloride, salt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Prof, while the questions are coming in fast and furious, I have my own question. You started the show telling us that, you know, how well Japan has done over a few decades and then from 27 gram per day dropped to... About 12 uh, you know, well, now, 12, 12. okay. But it's still significantly still higher than high. us. Still right? very high. But why do they have such good longevity? Yeah. And then, you know, compared to us, it's like surely salt is doing some good as well. And the other thing I quite like to know is that you uh, also highlighted that we have collaboration with UK Wash and how do we fare against UK? Okay. I think your question about why Japanese live so long, uh, although we say their salt is so high, is because there are many, many other factors. Comparisons have been done to look at Japanese and I think you know just by looking at them using your eyes, they are much slimmer and smaller than the Americans, for mm-hmm. instance. So therefore, the very fact that they're not very fat makes them less prone to get high blood pressure, less prone to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Besides, the, 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 what, their blood pressures on the whole are very low, much right. lower than, say, our country or even mm-hmm. in the UK. So therefore, if they have uh, lower blood pressure, they're less likely to get strokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the cholesterols, when they measure and do tests on them, again, it is much lower than Westerners. Mm-hmm. So this is what we call the paradox. Mm-hmm. The other thing, of course, very important is Japanese eat a lot of fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. So although they take high sodium, like I say, there is this potassium, the sodium-potassium ratio may be in their benefit and mm-hmm. therefore they have this... Uh, uh, they probably got better genes than us as well. Th- that is also true, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's why we say choose your parents wisely. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Oops, That's too right. late. Too late. Yes, too late. Uh, we have to wrap up though. A final uh, message from you, Prof Chia, and perhaps you'd like to also mention if my wash is working on anything that um, you'd like to alert us about? Yeah. Uh, we formed the society only one year ago. So mm, we have... Congratulations. A, we just had our second AGM. And uh, last year, we did quite a lot of activities. We did screening of blood pressure. As I mentioned, uh, one of my doctors went around to 
12 different clinics to educate on salt, screen, blood pressure, and so on and so forth. So I hope that we have the momentum now to do it again. And in fact, there is... Uh, what used to be World Salt Awareness Week every March, second week of March. Now that has been pushed to the World Hypertension Day. So again, we're going to do lots of activities there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I can't do all this by myself. I'm fortunate that I have this huge uh, number of people in my watch who are doctors, uh, nurses, uh, dietitians, public health people from different settings, government, Ministry of Health, mm -hmm. universities and private sector. And I hope that all of us you know, besides us, everybody can chip in and try and do some education. Uh, important is to is to lobby the food manufacturers, the food vendors as well, mm -hmm. to, in order to do it because we can't do this alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And tell your restaurants, right? You do actually yes. prefer food mm -hmm. that's yes. low salt. Yes, in fact, that so is that. one of the ten tips that the US food. Yeah, I call it the ten commandments. One of them is tell your restaurant you want less. Salt in your food. Yes. Yeah. George. Well, I learned one tip only today. If all fails, then badger the industry <laughs> and badger your patients not to eat out all the time, right? <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Professor Datin Dr. Chia Yok Chin from the Malaysian Society for World Action on Salt, Sugar and Health, and my co-host, Dr. George Lee, consultant urologist. This has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.